Humane Nature is an animal tourism podcast with discussions of animal abuse, injury, and medicine. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, travelers. Welcome back to Humane Nature. I'm your host, Stacia, and... Happy December, everyone. This year has really flown by for me. I don't know about you. I am so thankful for all of you who have supported me and listened this last year. This podcast has grown quite a bit since I started last year, and I hope to just continue to get bigger and bigger and educate more travelers out there about ethical animal tourism worldwide. A quick announcement. I will no longer be doing new segments on my Patreon. Instead, I will and have had weekly wildlife news videos on my TikTok instead. You can go ahead and follow me on TikTok at Stumble Safari, and I post other things as well. I post like travel stories and everything that are a little too short to uh, write on my blog about, but uh, some, you know, good and bad travel stories, as well as a new series I just started on why I quit veterinary medicine and all the crazy stories I have from that time in my life. But go ahead and follow me at Stumble Safari. I will also link my profile to my TikTok account in the description. And one more thing, I don't know what was up with my audio for the majority of this episode. I apologize sincerely. It kind of sounds like I'm in like a wind tunnel. I just recorded this at my desk like I usually do, but sound is a little funky in this episode. So I will try to figure out what went wrong and fix that for uh, my next episode. But yeah, just a heads up for y'all. So my sister is currently in Bangkok, Thailand, so I felt inspired to produce this episode on a really huge issue in the city, and that is of elephant begging. So a brief history of elephants in Thailand. I have talked about this before in the past with the elephant riding in Chiang Mai. Thai culture hugely revolves around historical use of elephants. It can be seen in their historical texts, even dating, you know, hundreds of years ago, a lot of their art and their storytelling as well. Elephants were an integral part of Thai transportation, ceremonies, and early tanks in war. So imagine a charging elephant coming at you before the use of machinery, especially if you were from like European countries trying to invade Thailand and you didn't even know that elephants existed. You would be terrified. When guns and larger machinery began to replace swords, elephants were used in war to transport the heavy guns and machinery rather than being tanks themselves. And elephants at the time were also kind of collected and kept by Thai royalty especially white elephants. So this isn't the same as albino elephants. A white elephant is has just like a lighter pigmentation than a normal elephant, but it is not albino. So it's a little difficult to picture in your head, but I will post a picture of it on my Instagram with this episode so you guys can see what an actual white elephant looks like. And they are like really valuable and they have been for for centuries. 
Elephants were used later for farming and the immense logging industry in the forests of Thailand as draft animals. They were able to transport large amounts of lumber through the difficult mountain terrain, especially in northern Thailand. By the mid-20th century, there were an estimated 13,000 captive Asian elephants used in the logging industry. In 1989, the logging industry came to an abrupt halt due to a new law in an attempt to protect Thailand's forests due to flash floods that killed hundreds of people. The government attributed these floods to the lack of trees that could have prevented the deaths. This left thousands of rural and indigenous Thai people with no income and an animal who needed immense amounts of food and care. So this law really ended the legal logging industry like extremely abruptly, like overnight. So a lot of the people who did this for a living, whose families did this for a living, they all of a sudden were unemployed in areas that didn't have a lot of job opportunities. And they had this huge animal, you know, that that they're supposed to take care of and feed and elephants eat a lot, as you can imagine. So although I do agree with the banning of of logging or wide-scale logging in Thailand because they were really devastating the forests and and natural resources. They could have gone about it in a, a little bit of a better way that would have protected more of their people. Elephants in captivity could not survive in the wild on their own due to the breaking process when they were young. So these people who were taking care of these elephants couldn't just release them. In response to the logging ban, many mahouts, who are the, I will use that word a lot, mahout in this episode, those are the traditional people who take care of elephants. But many mahouts turned to various forms of elephant tourism and begging in order to survive. So elephant tourism in Thailand is huge. Ecotourism in Thailand largely revolves around elephants, both in sanctuaries and in the wild. And tourism in Thailand, just like really everywhere outside of the U.S. and Europe, really began to boom in the 1990s and early 2000s as the internet became more widely available, travel became much easier to do, especially abroad. And financially, people were doing pretty well at the time. You see Asian elephants everywhere from clothing, which you gotta love those elephant pants that come from Thailand. I definitely have a few pairs myself. Uh, Jewelry and other tourism trinkets. So even I have a few pair of elephant pants that I wear pretty frequently, especially in the summer, as well as some jewelry and household items depicting elephants that I purchased in Thailand. So I got like coasters and this really nice like chopstick set in a wooden box and a little like carved figurine all of elephants. Um, the figurine is an elephant that I actually met and took care of when I was working at Elephant Nature Park in Thailand, which I have done an episode on. So yeah, I do have a lot of elephant things from Thailand. I definitely fell into that trap myself. In fact, a large portion of travelers in Thailand come specifically for elephant tourism. In the past, large-scale elephant riding and performing circuses were the main forms of elephant tourism. 
Now, you mostly see elephant riding, sanctuaries, and, quote, wandering or begging elephants. Elephant tourism in northern and southern Thailand revolves around elephant riding and sanctuaries. These destinations are beginning to turn into more eco-friendly and improving elephant welfare due to changing expectations and knowledge of tourist visiting. Bottom line, money talks. So if tourists avoid your camp due to unethical practices, you either change those practices or you go out of business. Elephant riding is slowly but surely disappearing in the country and falling out of favor with tourists due to its unethical treatment of the elephants. Be sure to listen to my second episode from way back when, more about elephant riding and why we shouldn't be participating in it using um, elephant anatomy and what really goes on in these riding camps. Southern Thailand also promotes swimming with elephants, especially baby elephants, elephant calves, on their many beaches. I will do an episode on this in the future. It is not something I'm going to focus on in this episode. Um, It is not something that I really talked about in the elephant riding episode. So it will get an episode all of its own sometime in the future. Elephant tourism in central and western Thailand largely revolves around wandering or begging elephants, especially in the large cities. Bangkok is the worst of these locations, but not the only one. And what's a little different about wandering or begging elephants compared to other elephant tourism is people don't really search for begging elephant tourism. It's something that they kind of run into and see kind of by happenstance, by accident, and while they will look up various elephant sanctuaries to visit because they specifically wanted to go see elephants, but, you know, they just so happen to be wandering around like Bangkok, Chiang Mai, any of these other bigger cities and run into some of these begging elephants. So what exactly is elephant begging? In areas around large cities, mahouts will travel with their elephants to the city in order to beg for money. Tourists and locals both will pay for bunches of bananas or other treats and feed the elephant. Usually it's bunches of bananas or sugarcane. Elephants involved in begging are typically young as they are much smaller and easier to lead around, especially in the big cities. Once they get bigger, they usually end up in a riding camp somewhere. The young elephant needs to be replaced when this happens, so another is frequently taken from the wild or captivity from its mother at a very young age to be broken and trained. This occurs in multiple countries around Southeast Asia, but it is extremely common in Bangkok, Thailand. So let's talk about how this begging actually affects the elephants. And I want to play a quick clip from Elephant News, which is a channel on YouTube that really dives into and does like kind of documentary style episodes on various elephants that they've rescued from unethical tourism destinations. Four bare feet walking on burning streets under the hot sun and suffering from starvation. There are hazards all around them, but they have no choice. How can they survive in this concrete jungle? 
This is the story of Mahouts, begging in the streets with their elephants. They lead a very difficult life. Poverty and hunger give them no choice. They must travel to other places in order to survive, live in unfamiliar cities. Did you forget to get a gift for your third cousin that is making a rare appearance at your holiday party? What about your mailman, dog walker, or in-laws? An annual subscription to Audible makes a great gift. Give your loved one or acquaintance you're expected to give a gift to a 1, 3, 6, or 12 months access to original podcasts and thousands of audiobooks with one monthly credit for a free book of their choice beginning on their very first month. Or you can gift a specific audiobook that you think they'll love. You can support this podcast and snag an awesome gift by going to audibletrial.com slash humane. That's audibletrial.com slash humane. Or by using the link in the description. Do you have an awesome podcast idea, but aren't sure where to start? I personally use Buzzsprout to host my podcast because it's easy and affordable. Perfect for a new podcaster. They help me list all of my episodes across podcast platforms, provide detailed analytics on how my podcasts are doing, and provide expert support when I need it. Host your podcast on Buzzsprout today and earn a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid subscription. Podcasting doesn't have to be hard. Join Buzzsprout today using the link in the description. For an elephant to work in captivity, they first must be broken or crushed. This process, also known as fajan in Thai, is extremely unethical, and this is also something I talked about in the elephant riding episode. Mahouts will take a baby from its mother, often needing to kill the protective mother to do so. As female elephants frequently co-parent and like nanny um, or like multi-parent their young, Multiple adult females are often killed for one calf. I heard between two and four, typically. This further reduces the potential number of babies in the future, as so many of these adult females are being killed for their babies. The frightened baby is then tied with all four limbs splayed to posts, starved, deprived of sleep, and beaten for days until it allows a human to easily control and ride it. Modern training methods are reward-based with already captive elephants, even those who have never been broken and are more effective long-term than this very outdated process. So elephants can be trained, but they do not need to go through this first. Elephants are extremely intelligent animals and can learn and be trained and taught how to do certain things with reward-based methods. Elephants, even those bred in captivity, are still wild animals and can be unpredictable. Gaining their trust by working with them positively long-term can have much better results and prevent distressed animals from attacking their mahout or others around them. And, of course, I talked about a similar circumstance in my episode from two weeks ago uh, with Travis the Chimp attacking 
Charla Nash because, you know, he wasn't being taken care of very well and he was a wild animal. And the same kind of thing can happen to elephants. They are extremely intelligent. And if you don't gain their trust and if you use fear and pain as methods to control them, eventually they could just break and have basically the elephant equivalent of a mental breakdown and just go berserk and hurt or even kill you and others around you, other elephants. Everyone in their path can be in very serious danger. And the Fajan method does use fear and pain to control elephants instead of reward systems. And Mahouts will continue to carry bull hooks to control their elephant, which is exactly as it sounds. It's a long stick with a sharp curved hook at the end that they will push into the ears of the elephant even after they have gone through this process and they are broken and are easily controlled. This is how they are able to fully control them. Elephants working as beggars work long hours, including at night when many tourists are out on the streets. To help keep them awake and active for long nights of work, some mahouts will drug the elephants with amphetamines to keep them going. Elephants are also extremely frightened and anxious due to loud sounds around them from the busy street. And remember, an elephant's hearing is extremely sensitive. Not only can they hear through their massive ears, which are very sensitive, but they also hear, in quotations, through vibrations in the ground with their feet. And this is how elephants can communicate to each other over long distances. However, there are a ton of vibrations in the ground in large cities. Think cars, buses, trains, other things going on. And this can just be extremely overwhelming to the elephant, especially if they don't know what this noise is coming from. So they're getting a lot of noise, a lot of loud noise, a lot of confusing noise in their ears and sensing it through their feet as well. Walking on concrete and asphalt causes frequent injuries to elephants' feet. Elephants are extremely slow to heal due to their slow metabolism and frequently die from infection and sepsis when their feet are injured. This is in all captive settings from, you know, the worst of riding camps to AZA accredited zoos. If an elephant gets a foot injury, especially a bad foot injury, they just it, it frequently gets infected because they end up urinating or, or defecating on it. They end up stepping in bacteria or dirty water or whatever, and it gets infected and they can develop sepsis and very quickly die painfully from these injuries because they do not heal the same as we as we do. Of course, these foot injuries are also extremely painful for them. Polluted air in the cities can also cause upper respiratory infections and eye infections, which usually go untreated. Elephants are naturally wary of crowds and humans, and when they display any kind of hesitation of being approached by strangers, aka tourists, who are curious about them and want to feed them, they are steered forward with the use of a bull hook on their ears, and that is where a lot of that scarring that you see on elephants' ears and necks in sanctuaries, it is typically from the use of bull hooks. 
This is especially true of baby elephants who are more sensitive to stressors and may react negatively to crowds and loud noises. They have also not been exposed to these stressors as long as adults have and react more strongly, resulting in even more punishment. Mahouts will frequently tell Taurus that the elephant is hungry or starving and he needs your money in order to help feed him. In reality, the mahout is usually starving the elephant so it will eat the treats the Taurus provide. So it is true the elephant is hungry and starving, but it isn't because the mahout lacks money. It's because he's intentionally starving the elephant. A full-grown elephant needs to eat up to 150 kilograms or 330 pounds of food a day, mostly in the form of grasses and hay. They typically spend up to three-fourths of their day just eating in order to survive. That is just the amount of food they eat. Begging elephants are given far less than they need in a day and are typically fed fruits and other foods that are easily moved from place to place. Think of, you know, a big bushel of hay or grasses. It could get blown all over the place. Mahouts could lose a lot of the money's worth of of grasses and they're uh, more difficult to feed to the elephant um, in, in terms of tourists feeding these items to the elephant. This can cause severe nutrient deficiencies both from the type of food they are given and the amount that they eat. So in comparison, this would be like only giving your dog a handful of treats a day. It is not nearly enough food and the food that they are getting are just not very good for them. It is very, things like bananas and sugarcane are treats and don't have a lot of the nutrients that they need to survive and they don't have nearly as much of the fibers that they need for the digestive tracts to work properly. Mahouts prey on the fact that over one half of tourists coming to Thailand want to experience an elephant up close and that they care about the animals and a lot of people, you know, they go to Thailand to experience elephants and most tourists end up flying into Bangkok and this begging elephant may be their very first interaction really ever with an elephant up close. So naturally, they're going to be curious, they're going to be excited, and they're going to want the experience of feeding the elephant. Elephants wandering in cities have also caused a lot of traffic and safety issues, as you can imagine, both for the elephant and the pedestrians around them. Elephants are frequently injured due to car accidents and stepping on sewage drains. Pedestrians can be injured as well during these car collisions due to elephants falling over. Um, they could fall due to stepping in, in these open sewage drains. They can collapse from exhaustion. It's just really, really dangerous for, for people and the elephants. Begging was officially banned in Bangkok in 2010, though it still occurs there and in other cities around Thailand and other Southeast Asian countries. It is not a law that is enforced very frequently. So there are a lot of other issues surrounding captive elephants in Thailand and why it is so difficult to end these kinds of things. A combination of legal, social, economic, and natural issues prevent these practices from being eliminated. Mahouts and elephants have had relationships in Thailand for hundreds of years, and it is a huge part of their culture, especially in rural and indigenous areas of the country. 
Legally, captive animals are designated as property and therefore difficult to regulate on an individual level. Often, a family or community's elephant is also their main source of income. So taking that away from them can put a large number of people in who are already in poverty at in severe danger. Captive elephants are also legally designated as, quote, beasts of burden, end quote, under the 1939 Trout Animal Act, while wild elephants are protected under the 1992 Wild Animal and Reservation and Protection Act. The Drought Animal Act is over 80 years old and needs to be updated, like yesterday. (laughs) It was drafted in 1939. This was well before elephants started drastically dropping in numbers and before they were considered endangered and before we knew a lot of the science behind these issues. Due to this difference in designation, captive elephants are not regulated nearly as closely in terms of treatment and protection. The Thai government has proposed multiple bills and laws within the last 20 years that would improve the welfare of elephants in their country, especially captive animals. However, the indecisiveness of the government has prevented really anything from being passed. Those in charge of various areas of elephant welfare are really scattered across different offices and have differences in opinion on what changes need to be made. So there isn't like one office or one part of the government that really controls how elephant legislature is being written and being passed. It's scattered across the government. And of course, if people don't agree, then nothing gets done. There's also fear of conflict from the Thai people who will be most affected by these changes. The Wildlife Conservation Act added protections for wild elephants in 1972, but not for captive elephants. The Thai government required all captive elephants to be registered at the age of 8 years old. Why 8 years old? I have no idea. (laughs) And really, none of the papers and, and articles that I read ever explained that either. Like, no one seems to know why eight years old. This created a legal loophole where elephants aged two to seven are frequently poached from the wild, broken and trained, then registered as a captive elephant that was born in captivity at eight years old. It's extremely difficult to prove whether the eight-year-old young elephant was actually born in captivity by the time it is raised and broken. So it's nearly impossible to tell. So this law doesn't really mean anything at this point. There are not enough baby elephants being born in captivity to fulfill the need and the demand of young elephants in Thai tourism. There are frequent arguments between government officials, national park officials, and those in the elephant tourism industry over the smuggling of baby and young elephants. Officials frequently raid camps, like riding camps, sanctuaries, and take back young elephants that are not properly registered, that they suspect had been poached from the wild. As a result, the influential and wealthy owners of the camp cause government issues and the workers themselves at the camp block roads with their large elephants. So they will, you know, rally in front of government buildings, the wealthy and the elite will start speaking out against the government and cause issues, and the workers will 
like protest and block traffic and you know cause a lot of issues until basically the government stops raiding them and stops doing what they're doing and listen i am all for peaceful protests i am all for sticking up for yourself when the government is pushing laws and bills that may harm you until you are protesting for animal cruelty. Due to the rapidly increasing elephant tourism industry, elephants are worth more now than ever before. The price of a breeding age female elephant can be as much as 2.5 million Thai baht, which is roughly 80,000 US dollars. Compare that to the minimum wage in Thailand, which is 10,000 Thai baht a year, and it costs 2.5 million for a single female of uh, breeding age. Though this is one of the highest minimum salaries in Southeast Asia, it equates to about 280 US dollars a year. Though the elephants themselves are worth more than ever, the market for elephant sanctuaries and other tourism sites are oversaturated. There are a lot of them, making it very difficult to earn a profit. This is especially true as tourists are beginning to differentiate between ethical and unethical sanctuaries and tourism practices. Ecologically, elephants have lost most of their wild habitat in Thailand. An estimated 31.5% of the country's forests are suitable for wild elephants. In addition, wild elephants will walk, on average, 25 kilometers or 15 and a half miles a day. This is essential to their well-being, as well as their ability to find food and water sources. Studies have shown that natural foraging behaviors and this long-distance movement are extremely important for the psychological well-being of elephants, and this is something they typically lack in any kind of captive setting, including in the best of the best zoos. Many of the times they just don't have enough space because they need so much of it. Due to the limited amount of space they have, wild elephants will frequently stray onto farmland in search of food, causing even more conflicts with the people there. Media attention has largely focused on physical and mental abuse of elephants. However, focus also needs to include the behavioral and physical needs of wild elephants in Thailand, replanting depleted forests, discussing unethical elephant tourism practices outside of camps, including elephant begging, and updating outdated laws and regulations in regards to captive elephants. People such as Lech Chilert, who I have done a Wildlife Warrior segment on, is working with rural families, farmers, and mahouts to educate them on proper elephant care rather than taking their elephants from them. This helps families keep their cultural tradition of having an elephant while also improving the elephant's welfare and husbandry. She is also educating other elephant sanctuaries on ethical practices so they can increase their tourism and therefore their profit by shifting to a more ethical model that caters to the changing atmosphere around elephant tourism and as tourists themselves become more eco-conscious and animal welfare conscious. The Department of Livestock Development is supposed to provide government-funded veterinary care to captive elephants as well. But the elephants are not their top priority, as they cover all farm animals and livestock across the country. 
Therefore, Happy veterinary holidays, care travelers. for captive elephants owned Have you by booked families your ticket or private for the holidays yet? So not if you're like me, flights get forgotten about in booked will last have minute. A veterinarian on staff. It can be difficult to scramble and very find the last minute affordable flight home elephants to see your family. Really suffer as the holidays are stressful The Department enough. of Livestock Development Luckily, is Skyscanner also severely takes a bit of that stress away. We're finding you flight deals trains from airlines and showing you flights on those budget airlines that don't always show up bottom of the totem pole in terms of you can support this podcast and find the perfect flight home for the holidays with skyscanner by using that the link in the description very very underfunded <laughs> for just a second let's think about the worst that could happen during a vacation maybe your expensive camera broke while on an african safari Maybe your luggage was lost on your way to Europe, or your flight was canceled altogether. Maybe you got sick in South America and had to spend a few days in a hospital. Luckily, you booked travel insurance before your trip. Travel insurance protects you in all of these scenarios and more. I always use World Nomads because their coverage makes the most sense for me as a traveler who frequently participates in adventurous activities, visits multiple countries per trip, and carries expensive equipment for my blog and podcast. Check out World Nomads rates for your next trip abroad using the link in the description. Asian elephants used to be found all over Asia, from eastern China and the rivers in western Asia. Now they have disappeared completely from most of western Asia and almost entirely from China. Asian elephants remain in Southeast Asia and India, but are disappearing very quickly. Wild elephant numbers in Thailand have dropped from 100,000 at the beginning of the 19th century to about 4,000 today. This is not including captive elephants, which outnumber the wild ones. Most captive animals, meaning elephants, most captive elephants work in the tourism industry now. Asian elephants are listed as endangered on the IUCN Red List, and habitat loss and fragmentation are their biggest threat, even ahead of hunting and poaching. As Asian cities are growing rapidly, much of the elephant's natural area is being torn down for farms and towns to support the growing populations. This habitat fragmentation separates elephants from each other, increasing the risk of inbreeding and halting the seasonal migration of elephants across different habitats. Elephants do need to migrate to find food in different seasons, as different plants and things will grow in different seasons, as well as to satisfy that psychological and physical need to travel those long distances. The combination of males being killed for their tusks and females being killed for their calves is keeping populations of wild elephants from the ability to grow. They also only have one baby roughly every five years. Once an elephant has been in the tourism industry and broken, it cannot be released into the wild. Even wild elephants in national parks are severely affected by tourism. Studies have shown that elephants will change course to avoid human tourists. As hiking trails and paved roads go through national parks, elephants will reroute. There were multiple elephants who fell off a cliff into a waterfall and river at the bottom after rerouting to avoid humans and drowned in the river below at Khao Yai National Park in Thailand in 2020. 
The elephants remembered their old route when humans were no longer around during the height of the pandemic and resumed their normal pathway to the water. In the future, roads and trails should keep in mind the elephants' routine paths and work to go around them. It is extremely difficult to try to get an elephant to do what it does not want to do, and instead we should be working with them rather than against them and reroute all of these roads and trails to the best of our abilities to keep the elephant safe. There have been a number of laws put in place to crack down on illegal poaching and trafficking of Asian elephants throughout the continent, so things are starting to look up in terms of, you know, laws and and execution of, of laws. And just last week, an international wildlife conservation panel in Panama halted the proposition to reopen the legal sale of ivory around the world. So this will not only protect Asian elephants in Thailand and Asia, but the African elephants throughout that continent as well. Indonesia, South Korea, and Thailand are cracking down more on animal trafficking, both with live animals and animal parts, such as tusks and skins. And Bangkok, Thailand especially, is a really big hub for animal trafficking, especially on the way over to China and India. So in conclusion, I found only a fraction of the number of articles and videos discussing the issue of elephant begging compared to when I was researching elephant riding within Thailand. Less studies have been done and the practice of elephant begging has been under far less scrutiny compared to circus acts and riding camps. Though it has been outlawed in Bangkok, Elephant begging needs to be globally recognized as an inhumane and abusive treatment of elephants and outlawed from every country and city that participates in it. Not only that, but these laws need to actually be enforced and not just ignored or allow uh, police to be paid off. Mahouts and their families also need to be given a way to survive and earn a living. We cannot just outlaw these things and expect them to deal with it. Most of them have turned to these practices because their income was stripped away from them with the sudden outlaw of logging in Thailand. Increasing education opportunities, hiring mahouts as forest rangers to protect elephants, and potentially even training them in veterinary medicine can drastically improve their lives and the lives of the elephants around them. And I know this is much easier said than done. It's easy to say this as an educated white woman in a country half a world away from Thailand, and I fully recognize the privilege I have in making these comments. Banning these practices outright will only create more problems, just like what happened with banning logging in 1989. A plan needs to be put in place by working with rural and indigenous mahouts whose lives revolve around their families and their elephants. You can help the situation by simply not participating. Don't give your money to begging elephants if you are visiting one of these areas, even if the elephant looks malnourished and exhausted, because it likely is. As difficult as it is, keeping your money from those participating in this practice will force them to pursue other options to care for their elephant and to earn money. Now, this may have them turn towards like elephant riding and things like that. But since elephant riding is kind of falling out of fashion and is not earning as much money, 
they may turn to a more ethical source of income for them and their elephant. A lot of elephant beggars actually earn a lot of money doing this and obviously just don't use it to take care of their elephant very well. So just don't participate in it. Um, it although it, it may not help that individual elephant, which is the hardest thing because that elephant is right in front of you, it's going to help future generations and dozens of other elephants in the future. You can also support nonprofits such as Elephant Nature Park and the World Wildlife Fund who are doing really great work in elephant education and welfare. You can adopt an elephant, and this is an excellent Christmas gift for animal lovers in your family. The World Wildlife Fund will send you an elephant plushie to symbolize the elephant that you are helping, and this could you know, be really cool to uh, give someone and adopt an elephant to support an elephant in their name. Other organizations do similar projects and can send photo and video updates of the animal you are helping as well. So these are all really, really great options for you to help. Finally, I want to end this episode with some Bangkok fun facts. I have already done Asian elephant fun facts and I did Chiang Mai fun facts in the past. Um, So I will do some Bangkok fun facts if you ever find yourself traveling over to Bangkok, Thailand. Though Thailand's capital city of Bangkok is known to the world as simply Bangkok, its official Thai name is actually 169 characters long, and it has the longest city name in the entire world. It roughly translates to City of Angels, Great City of Immortals, Magnificent City of the Nine Gems, Seat of the King, City of Royal Palaces, Home of Gods Incarnate, erected by Visvakarman at Indra's behest. All of the temples pictured on the back of Thai coins are found in Bangkok. Bangkok was one of the very first cities in the world to introduce a third gender option for public bathrooms. So you will see a male, female, and basically the symbol looks like an intersex bathroom. This was due to the large number of ladyboys that live and perform in the larger cities, especially Bangkok. Ladyboy is kind of a broad term used in the area to describe a group of people who were designated male at birth, but either permanently present as female or participate in shows similar to drag shows in the U.S. or who were born intersex, meaning they have like a combination of gendered sexual physical traits. The term ladyboy predates the use of transgender in Thailand, and the term ladyboy kind of stuck in the area. However, please do not use this phrase outside of Thailand as it is extremely offensive outside of their culture. This term is specifically a term in Thai culture and is really only used there. Although I do believe it may be starting to fall out of fashion in terms um, and, and many of them preferring to be referred to as um, transgender women, although not, again, not all people who uh, call themselves ladyboys are transgender women. Although from what I've read, the majority of ladyboys now consider themselves transgender women. If you know more about this, please let me know if I got that wrong. Large Thai cities are notoriously LGBTQ friendly and ladyboys have popular performances, cabaret shows, and beauty pageants, especially in Bangkok. I went to a ladyboy show in Chiang Mai and it was so 
fun. It was extremely similar to drag shows in the U.S. and I highly encourage you to go. It is not like a shady or seedy thing to do. They're all over the place. So much fun. They even have like, you know, beauty pageants and things for ladyboys. So it's a really big part of Thai culture and really, really fun to participate in. Red Bull was actually created in Bangkok. I love Red Bull. You know, it gives you wings. It's the um, kind of traveler's choice and energy drink for sure. Bangkok has the world's largest Chinatown that also contains the world's largest gold Buddha statue. Bangkok is known as the, quote, Venice of the East, as it is built on dozens of canals. The city has the world's largest and most diverse market with 15,000 stalls divided into 27 sections. It's called the Chaduchak Weekend Market, and it is an absolutely must-see, along with a lot of these other markets around Thailand. So much fun. Bangkok is one of the world's most popular cities, seeing more tourists per year than even Paris. If you travel to Southeast Asia from the United States, you will most likely travel through Bangkok as it's the largest international airport in the area and a big hub for flights throughout the neighboring countries. It's also just a lot cheaper for the most part to fly into Bangkok and then take like an Asian airline over to a neighboring country if that is your final destination. And finally, the best time to visit Bangkok is between November and February. This is because the city is actually the hottest city in the world based on its average temperature. So there are cities in the world that reach higher temperatures than Bangkok, but it has the hottest average temperature year round. November through February is still hot, of course, but it is the coolest time of the year for them and the least humid time of year. All right, that is all I have for you today. Remember to give my show a five-star review rating wherever you are listening to this. It really helps others discover my show. Uh, Be sure to hit that follow button so that you can be alerted every time I drop an episode. And if you wanted to support my show, I do have a Patreon and you can listen to episodes ad-free and a week early as well as bonus episodes every month. So um, thank you so much for listening and I will hear you next time. Sources for today's show can be found in the link in the description. Thanks for listening.